Come on. They're right there. Let's go. Move, 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 move. Did you grow up in? Yeah. So I, I grew up in New York, the uh, suburbs of New York. And then I went off to Brown University and did a, a history major. Okay. And then after that, I worked at American Red Cross uh, in a lab where they just they figured out how to freeze blood. So a guy named Harold T. Merriman figured out how to freeze blood. So you can't take just blood and throw it in the refrigerator and then transfuse it into someone because water expands and so blood cells pop. And so Harold T. Merriman figured out how to freeze blood. And then after that, I went off to Vanderbilt for medical school. During medical school, I did a year of research sponsored by Howard Hughes Medical Institute at Harvard Medical School. And I worked at the lab where they did the first living-related kidney transplant, won the Nobel Prize for that. And so then I went back to Vanderbilt, finished medical school, uh, and then I started uh, residency in surgery for two years at UCLA. And then Finished my surgical residency in urologic surgery at UCLA, and uh, then I went off and practiced in Northern California. I helped pioneer surgical robotics. I built kidney stone centers. I helped pioneer MRI-guided prostate biopsy. And then about three years ago, I became really interested in regenerative urology. So the ability to help men who can't get erections anymore to start getting erections again. And there are a number of new technologies low-intensity shockwave therapy, platelet-rich plasma, stem cells, peptides, a bunch of other stuff that we can use to help men who uh, can't get enough blood flow to the penis to get uh, a rigid erection. And so I've been uh, a pioneer in that field. Uh, I helped do research on uh, PRP or platelet-rich plasma and shockwave therapy and mm -hmm, high-intensity mm -hmm. focused electromagnetic waves. So anyway, I'm going on way too long. No, no, um, please. But, but I've done a lot of stuff, and, uh, and this book really came out of seeing patients. Mm -hmm. And it started off as like a 200, 250-page book on sexual medicine. But so many parts of men's physical health, emotional health, mental health will affect their ability to have satisfactory sexual encounters. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I just kept adding chapters to the book, and now it's over 900 pages. It's 101 chapters, uh, but it's not really meant to be read cover to cover. It's more mm -hmm. of a advice book. Like if your best buddy was one of the top doctors in this field, this is the advice that he or she would give you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to understand um, shockwaves, and I want to understand... Uh, what they do to the body and why they do it to the body, if you can help with that. Yeah, so, you know, we actually discovered the effects of shockwaves during World War II. So there were um, folks that were unfortunately in the water when we were dropping depth charges to blow up submarines. And, you know, like if you're in an explosion, you get shrapnel, you can understand, well, that's what the injury is from, mm. right? But what they were finding, you know, you're not going to get shrapnel in the water, but they were finding a blast effect from the shock waves. So if you look at a, a sound wave, a sound wave has a kind of a gentle rise and, and fall, mm -hmm. whereas a shock wave has a very high peak and a very Drastic dramatic trouble. drop. And so that transmits a huge amount of energy faster than the speed of sound, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and causes internal damage to organs because those internal organs get torn up by that energy. 
Okay. Now, urologists took advantage of this in the 70s and, and, and until the present by using those shock waves to break up kidney stones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we use what's called a piezoelectric, which is a crystal that sends an intense uh, burst of energy and it's a focused wave. So the wave gets focused and you know, in an average person, it's 10 or 12 centimeters in that the kidney is, and then you find the stone with an x-ray and you focus those waves right onto the stone. And so instead of having to take a scope, putting you to sleep, sticking the scope up the penis, into the bladder, up the ureter, use mm. a laser, break up a kidney stone, yeah, that's a, usually the reaction we get. Yeah, it's not good. You can use these, these pulsed shock waves to break up the stone and then those little crumbs of stone come tumbling down way easier to pee out than than the yeah than the whole thing exactly exactly and so so, okay how long does it take when you focus this when you focus this energy from these shock waves how long does it take to break one up uh usually about 15 20 minutes i mean it depends on the size of the stone how hard the stone is Uh uh-huh etc etc but usually about 15 20 minutes and how many waves a minute are hitting it uh, usually we do about 3,000 waves. That's the most waves you can safely use to break up a kidney stone. And uh, we go at a rate of about 100 a minute. So it's actually it's about 30 minutes. I mean, 100 a minute up, for 30 up minutes. Up to about 30 minutes. And you find, like, so somebody did research that says if we do 4,000 waves in five minutes, it's bad. Well, you can cause damage to the kidney if you use Right. So you can actually minutes. hurt the actual organs then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Check. Now, would it be safe to say then that the blast from, say, an IED or a mortar, one of these weapons, the blast that is going through to these troops, is that doing damage, high-intensity damage to their brains and organs? Of course. Every blast, right? Of course. Yeah. You know, is it, did you see that explosion that happened in downtown Lebanon? Yes. That, uh, it, it's, it's really amazing. If you watch that again, you'll see the building just turn white. Mm-hmm. And then you actually can see the wave, the blast mm-hmm, wave, mm-hmm. the shock wave, and it just flattens buildings as it goes. Yeah. Right. And so it's an invisible wave, really. Mm-hmm. But internally to the, the organs of the body and the brain and the pituitary and, and everything else, you know. You know, I mean, the thing is, if you're 55 and you can't get it up anymore with your wife, then you you know you're going to be cursing your 25 year old you. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, for going to Kentucky Fried Chicken too much <laughs> and smoking and you know doing all the things that you you know the things all the things that the felt the good day, at the time. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, you could really summarize the book and like, don't drink, don't smoke, don't do drugs, don't eat too much food, exercise every day, stretch every day, do some meditation, and be nice to other people. Then at the age of 20, your testosterone should be around 900 or 1,000. And it will go down 1% or 2% per year after that. Right? And so, you know, women have menopause where their estrogen plummets. Yeah. Men have what's called andropause where their testosterone slowly goes down. Um, but there are situations like blast injuries like in, or other types of injuries or... Uh, people that don't take care of themselves like they should, you know, for example, the, you know, you'll see headlines every once in a while, the, the average testosterone levels for men these days is 30% less than it was 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. 
right? And how come that is? Well, first of all, the, the brain is smart, right? The brain will only make as much testosterone or tell the testicle to make as, as much testosterone as it needs, right? So if you're a hunter back in the day, you know, when you were a caveman and you were taking down wild boar on the plains, you need a really high testosterone because mm -hmm. wild boar don't like to be killed. Mm -hmm. If you're a farmer, farmers work hard, but they're not, you know, taking down wild boar. Your testosterone is going to be high, but not quite as high as a, as a hunter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you sit behind a computer all day, your, bo your body says, well, you know, I'm not attacking anyone and I'm not lifting bales of hay. So I don't need that much testosterone. So why bother? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so guys, testosterone's lower than it used to be. And then we live in a world filled with, you know, plastics and processed foods and so on and so forth. And so, you know, that there is a correlation between those kind of things and low testosterone. And then the final thing is sleep. Yeah. Right. So if you look at how testosterone varies on a daily basis, it's highest at eight o'clock in the morning. Right. And then it declines as the day goes on, bottoms out at about four o'clock in the afternoon. And it doesn't go back up until you start to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when you go to sleep, it goes back up. So if you're not getting good sleep, or you're not getting enough sleep, or, you know, you're drinking late at night, and that interrupts your sleep, guess what, your testosterone's not going to get up to the level that it really should get. Not too far. You're marking the building. Hit him. Yeah, that's good. That's a good shot. That's a funny. Yeah. Funny.